If I could have every person in here to stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. How many of you love the Word of God today? Half of you love God's Word today, half of you don't know. How many of you love the Word of God today? (laughs) There we go, there we go. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 17. Those of you who like to follow along on version, that app is available for you right now to follow along on our outline this morning. But anyways, if you don't have your Bible, it's all good. You can follow with us on the screen this morning. In Luke chapter 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. The title of today's message is, I'd Rather Be Miserable. I'd Rather Be Miserable. Luke chapter 17 reads this. He said to his disciples, Jesus talking, Offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one they come through. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. God, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you that you took moments like this to teach us about the heart of God. And Lord, over the next couple of minutes, I ask you to please help me to do your word justice and speak your word and not mine. And God, let your anointing flow through your word to speak to our hearts and let us in turn apply this word to our lives so that we can please you in everything that we do. God, it will never fail to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If I know one thing today, it's this. The Lord has given us this message this morning in order that we can position ourselves here at the Avenue Church to receive every blessing that he has in store for us. You see, I'm a type of person that I want every blessing that God has for me. And I want to do everything that I can to position myself to receive that blessing. I don't want to miss out. It's like somebody having a Christmas present for me that I say, you know what? I haven't been very good, so give it away. (laughs) If somebody's got a gift for me, I mean, I'll take it. If somebody has $5,000 they want to give to me, praise God. (laughs) So I want to put myself in the position that God can bless me. Hello? Let me start off by telling you a story, something that happened recently. I was driving in my van, and... We sometimes carpool with another parent that has two other children. And it was my turn to, to pick up the kids from school. And so here I am. I'm being the best dad in the whole entire world. And I have four kids in the back of my van. And they like to go over this road that has a lot of hills in it. They like to do that. And so we're going over this. We turn to go on the street. And lo and behold, behind me, a young teenager punk. I'm sorry. For all you teenagers, I'm just kidding. I was a teenager once too. It was a young man. And obviously he was trying to impress his two female counterparts in his car. And he got so close to my van that I could tell you what they were drinking in their car. Got all over me. You ever have one of those moments? I mean, I just wanted to like reach around somehow from my window and grab that guy and let him know who God is. So 
I'm like, I'm, I, you know, I got four kids in the car, and I'm trying to be a good example here. I mean, this guy is on my rear end. I'm not talking about he's driving close. He is on it, okay? So I get to the next stop sign, and I just put that baby in park. And I sat there, and I looked. I got my rearview mirror out, and I twisted it right at him. And, and my kids are in the back seat going, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, I got it. I got it. And that guy's doing one of these. So I did one of these. I stuck my head all the way out the van window and put my arm up in the air. And I said, is there a problem? He kind of just looked at me. And I was mad. Okay, I was mad. I can't believe you did this, Pastor. And so I just sat there and I said, I said, go ahead since there's a fire somewhere. And he went, no, it's okay. And I said, no, go ahead. Go ahead. He goes, no, it's okay. <laughs> and I said, and then I, read, I turned around back in the van, and I said, y'all ready? And they go, yeah, what's going on, Daddy? <laughs> so I pull that thing back in drive, and I, and I pull away, and I'm thinking to myself, yes, that was awesome. Did you see that? And I'm talking to no one but myself. And then I had one of these moments. Maybe you can sympathize with me. I had one of those moments. I'm smiling. I'm feeling good about myself. I just gave that guy the what for. I feel pretty good. He'll never do that again. And then the Holy Spirit said something like this. Well, now turn around and go invite them to your church. And I went, oh, don't look at me like that. Some of y'all did that this morning. You see, the, the Lord deals with me when I'm in prayer. <laughs> go figure. I mean, for example, it could start off like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, say it with me. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. And it's that one part that deals with me the most when it says, Forgive me of my sins just as I forgive those who sin against me. And every time I say that, I have to get myself a gut check because that hits me. The Lord deals with me with, with, with that. And on that note, I want to take you to my first point this morning, thinking along the lines of the story that I just told you. Number one, if you're taking notes, don't leave Legos on the floor. And some of you are thinking, what? He is off his rocker today. Number one, don't leave Legos on the floor. Verses one and two read this. Offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one, the van driver, to the one they come through. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, don't leave Legos on the floor. Do we have any parents in here today? If you've ever been a parent, some of you are thinking, I'm not a parent anymore. Thank God then you know my little friend, the Lego. It's a tiny little thing. It really is. And I mean, it, you look at it and go, I could throw this so hard at somebody and it would, you wouldn't even feel it touch them. But if you've ever been a parent and something has gone wrong at night and you hear a child crying or you just want to check on the kids to make sure they're covered up and it's dark and you're trying to be quiet it could look something like this. You're, you're going real soft through the house. I mean, the, the house is quiet. Everybody's asleep. And you crunch on one of those things. And you go, hey! 
and you're just like tiptoeing everywhere and you're trying to find something and you reach down and you peel this thing off of your foot and you're going, oh my gosh, you know, and it's one little Lego, but that one little Lego caused you so much pain. You've been there before. I know you have. You see, Jesus turned to his disciples to warn them about possible sins in their lives for occasions to stumble are an unfortunate part of life. After all, we are all sinners living in a sinful world, but we must take heed and be extremely careful not to cause others to stumble and sin. It is a serious thing to sin against a fellow brother, tempting him or her to sin. And by these little ones that Jesus is talking about, he was referring not only to children, but also to young believers who were learning how to follow the Lord. Little ones would include sinners who had come to believe in Jesus Christ. You see, the Pharisees had just criticized Jesus, and this might well have caused these new believers to stumble. So serious is this sin that a person would be better off cast alive into the sea, never to be seen again, than to deliberately cause others to stumble and sin. That's explaining it in a very extreme way, but so true. We are sinful people, and because we live in relationship with one another, at some point we may tempt each other to sin. This is the reason he said in verse 1, offenses will certainly come. The Greek word here, scandala, used here shows how any resistance that causes another person to fall into sin, whether through temptation or false teaching. Jesus exclaimed that while there would always be temptations, that does not excuse the person who does the tempting. Jesus taught about the obligations his disciples had toward other people and toward God. And to put it plain and simple, church, followers of Jesus are not to cause people to sin. Can I get an amen? Nobody shout me down this morning. In this life, sin cannot be eradicated. Such things are bound to come. But a follower of Christ would be better off drowned by a millstone tied around their neck than to bring spiritual harm to somebody else. Man. Well, Pastor Justin, I can't, I, I can't be accountable for the decisions of other people. Well, you are correct to some degree. But if your actions influence a life trying to figure things out, and because of your influence, you cause that person to sin, then you, my friend, are guilty. That's a good place to say amen. Again, Pastor Justin, am I supposed to walk around worried about how my life is going to look to other people? Honey, if your life, your living, you're supposed to be living is, is living according to Scripture, you're not going to leave Legos out and then you've got nothing to worry about. If you line yourself up with the Word of God, you've got no problem. For example, Romans 14, 21 through 23 says this, It is a noble thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother stumble. Do you have a conviction? Keep it to yourself before God. The man who does not condemn himself by what he approves is blessed. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from conviction, and everything that is not from a conviction is sin. What this is trying to say is this. We should not engage in activities if we are unsure as to whether or not it's appropriate. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say that engaging in an activity when you are not convinced that it is the right thing to do is sin. We should not associate ourselves with that which is or may be inappropriate. We are told in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 to abstain from any activities that even have the appearance of evil. 
What is the association of this activity? If people see you doing it, would they immediately think you are involved in something inappropriate for a Christian? If so, then you should not participate. Don't leave Legos on the floor. Don't sit around at work and gossip. Don't dress like you have no integrity. Don't use language that is only fit for an R-rated movie. Don't go out and get plastered and get drunk. Don't treat your children like a piece of trash and children don't treat your parents like they're garbage. Don't treat the waiter or the waitress like a dog who's messed in the house. Don't participate in behaviors that don't glorify God. Can I get an amen? Instead, spend your time living a life that will show off who Jesus is. Build your coworkers up and show them how to look, look at life in a positive light. Put your clothes on every day to impress others how uniquely and wonderfully created you are and that you are a prized possession. Amen? Let the words that you use glorify God and all that he's done in your life. And instead of letting your good be evil spoken of, make good choices that will make Jesus famous. Parents, let your children know how much you love them. Children, respect your parents and give them honor. And when you do go out to eat today, bring joy to the workers and show them how a real believer is supposed to act. Do what 1 Corinthians 10.31 says. Therefore, whatever you eat or drink, whether it is or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Why? Because when others observe your behavior, they may determine what is acceptable behavior for a follower of Christ. When you announce that you are a believer of Jesus, your life is going to be watched. Everything you say, everything you do, don't leave Legos out on the floor. On that note, let's look at what Jesus tells us in the next verse, in verse 3. Number 2, life's easier when you're ready. Life's easier when you're ready. In verse 3, the first part of verse 3 is because Jesus knew that offenses would certainly come. He tells us in verse 3 to be on your guard. When someone tells you to be on your guard, this is what they mean. Be careful to avoid being tricked or getting in a dangerous situation. We should lovingly watch over each other and do all we can do to help one another and keep one another from sinning. When writing one of his letters, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. He says, be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. Your every action must be done with love. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can to devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. I had the experience when I was in college, the opportunity to go to London, England, when I was in campus choir at Lee University. And we had a day where we can go and do sightseeing, and we showed up at one of the major buildings there in London, a historic building. And if you've ever been to London, they have those, those soldiers are on guard. And I, I thought it would be really cool to see how close I could get to this building. I didn't know. I was from Tennessee. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm getting closer. I mean, this, these guys don't move. They're just like, Phew. they don't move. And you're like, dude, he's serious. And so I'm, he's like over there. And so I'm walking. I didn't know what he was going to do. I'm thinking, what's this guy going to do? Like pull his sword out and stab me or something? Like, so I'm getting closer. I'm trying to get a picture. And he don't move. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to get closer and get a picture. And there's, there's columns that they're in. They're, 
like this. And he's in one of them over there. And so by now he's gotten out of sight. And so I'm thinking, yes. So I get inside of one of these, one of these things and he's over there. And I hear one of these actions, poof, like that. Pow. And he stepped back like that, and turned and walked over to me and got right in my grill. And I was like, oh. I'm like, sorry. I backed up and went the other way. But it was really funny because, I mean, that guy was ready to take me out. If I had gone any further, he was ready to just put me down. You see, when I, when I have my children with me, and if there's ever a situation of potential danger, like walking near a busy road, or if I feel like a, a sketchy person is nearby, the first thing I do as a dad is I put one of his arms right here. And I make sure they're okay. Why? Because I'm preparing myself to do anything it takes to protect what is mine. Jesus is telling us here to be on guard. And if Jesus is telling us this, then we need to be ready. The devil wants nothing more to des- than destroy you. So don't be caught off guard. Don't get trapped when a situation happens and there's an opportunity for you to be hurt or offended. If you are easily offended, you are more susceptible to unforgiveness. You are vulnerable to what I call the trap. When you are offended... This brings on unforgiveness, it brings on anger, and it brings on resentment. And nothing in life, once you're in the trap, seems like it ever happens. It's like everything stops. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with everyone in holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble, and by it defiling many. If unforgiveness is happening in your life, this is happening to you, or if it's ever happened to you, it will literally eat you alive. Unforgiveness will take advantage of you. But did you see what she said to me? The last time I was there, the last time I went to that church, they made fun of me. And I'm never going to let that go. Well, my coworker talks about my husband and my children, so you know what? Every single day that I go to work, I'm going to make sure that I'm as hateful as I possibly can to that person. Unforgiveness will take advantage of you. And then before you know it, when you don't deal with the situation or the problem or the unforgiveness, you become so easily ticked off over the silliest things. When you hold on to stuff and you let it bottle up, you'll get mad or so, mad over the, some of the goofiest things, like at McDonald's. You don't have my large fry! They're like, dude, <laughs> I ordered a fry. <laughs> You're like, chill out, bro. <laughs> You'll find yourself, if you hold on to things and you don't let things go and learn to forgive, you will get mad over some of the goofiest stuff. It will take advantage of you. Second Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says, if you forgive anyone, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for you in the presence of Christ. I have done this so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. Church, be on your guard. Don't be so easily offended. Why? Because the devil will use any and every situation he can to get you trapped in the webs and bitterness of unforgiveness. He knows that if you won't forgive, then you can't be forgiven. And when you can't be forgiven, then you'll miss heaven. Unforgiveness will stop your prayers. Mark chapter 11, 24 through 26 says, Therefore I tell you, all the things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. 
so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Church, it's not worth it. There's nothing and no one worth you missing heaven. Be on your guard. Somebody say, be on guard. Let's look at the last two verses and then I'm done this morning. Number three, if you're taking notes. Number three, stop it and just let it go. Stop it and just let it go. He says this in verse three and four. It says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. If, if a brother or sister does, does sin against us, we should give a private loving rebuke. Our tendency might be to, to feel hurt down inside and develop a grudge and then tell others what has happened to us. But let me strongly emphasize this is the wrong approach. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two more with you. So that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. And if he pays no attention to them, tell the church. And if he doesn't pay attention to even the church, let him be like an unbeliever and a tax collector to you. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love is the first step to resolve personal differences. Let me emphasize right here, just for a moment. That saying something rude to someone in a sweet tone is not considered speaking the truth in love. Have you ever met somebody like that? You, you know who they are. It's that person who thinks that being ugly is their spiritual gift. You, you know what I'm talking about. They're in charge of the no one is as good as me ministry. Right? And they want to be a blessing to everybody else. You see, our aim is... Not to embarrass or hurt the offender, but to encourage them and have them repent. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, go and tell the whole world. No, that's not what it says. You who are, are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Church, we've got to learn to let things go. We must forgive. In fact, we must be in the habit of forgiving. For others might sin against us seven times a day or even 70 times a day. Make it a constant habit of forgiveness in your life. Do not even mention the sins of others. For love keeps no record of wrong. We should always be ready to forgive others. For one day, we may need them to forgive us. It goes back to that Lord's Prayer thing again. Forgive us of our sins just as we forgive those who sin against us. Are you listening to this prayer? You want God to treat you like you treat your parents? You want God to treat you like you treat your coworkers who's messed up? You want God to treat you like you treat your children? You want God to treat you like you treat the people at the restaurant? You want God to treat you like you treat your spouse? You want God to treat you like you treat your pastor? you got to be very careful with this concept because if you don't forgive, what you're saying is, God, don't forgive me of my sins just like I don't forgive others of their sins. You've got to understand that when you choose to feed bitterness and when you don't forgive, what you're saying is, I'd rather be miserable. I'd rather give that situation. I'd rather give that person. I'd rather give the devil power over my life. I'd rather be miserable. 
That's what you're saying when you don't let things go and when you don't forgive. Somebody say, let things go. True forgiveness always involves pain. Somebody has been hurt and there's a price to pay in healing the wound. Emotional and spiritual healing is just as real as physical healing. There are some of you that have been hurt in life and you are completely miserable because, because you won't let it go. Your family has hurt you, ridiculed you, and you won't let it go. Your friends have talked about you, stabbed you in the back, and you won't let it go. Maybe you've been abused in your past, whether it's physical or emotional, and you won't let it go. Maybe somebody's gossiped about you and spread lies about you, and you won't let it go. The church maybe have hurt you. Can I just stop right here and get real with you for a minute? Is that all right? I'm going to anyways. Church is made up of people, and people aren't perfect. And I could stand up here today and apologize to each and every one of you for having past hurt in the church, but me apologizing to you does nothing. I'm not oblivious and I'm not dumb to the fact that there have been some situations that you all have been involved with in church in this area that have caused you some grief and caused you some pain. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. But the fact of the matter is, people will always let you down. Please don't ever put your trust in me. Because at some point, I'm probably going to let you down. If my wife put all of her trust in me, she'd be disappointed. But if you'll put your trust in God, no man, no woman, no friend, no situation, and no church can ever get to your heart. We're not perfect people in this church. We're made up of imperfect people loving a perfect Savior. If you've ever been hurt through a church, you've got to let it go. Let it go. The reason you can't heal is because you won't forgive. Don't give the enemy power over your life. Release victory and release deliverance upon your life by letting things that belong in the past stay in the past. Put it under the blood of Jesus and move on with God's blessings. I wish somebody would hear me this morning. What we need is less of ourselves and more of Jesus. I don't know about you, but if if it were not for the grace of God, I would not be here today. I'm so thankful for the unconditional love of God, the indescribable, infallible, unending, never changing, awesome, powerful, magnificent love of God. I can forgive others and I can forgive myself. Why? Because God forgave me. Hear me this morning. If I'm going to receive forgiveness, I've got to learn to give it. You can't be forgiven of something if you're not willing to offer it to others. You can't forget. Nobody is perfect. And therefore, people are going to make mistakes Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You've got to learn the concept of having victory and forgiveness and apply it to your life. Don't choose misery. Choose victory. Stop holding on to things that belong under the blood of Jesus and just simply let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Stop fighting for no reason in life. If you are at odds with someone in your life or someone in your family, it isn't worth it. Is it worth it? What good is it? What good is it if you win the battle but you lose the war? Somebody say, let it go. Because when you do, you're going to get your life back. You're going to get your time back. You're going to get your family back. You're going to get your joy back, your freedom back. You're going to get your friends back, your kids back. You're going to get your health back. You're going to get it back when you learn to let it go. Amen. If we don't position ourselves, like I mentioned at the very beginning of my message, 
if we don't position ourselves where we are supposed to be, if we don't forgive those who have wronged us, if we don't deal with the past hurts in our lives, we will miss out on what God has for us. We've got to learn to let go and let God have his way. We've got to learn to let go of what we don't need so that we can reach out and receive what God has for us. Let's choose victory today. Let's choose freedom today. Let's choose joy today. Deliverance. We've got to let it go and let God have his perfect way in our lives and in our families and in our church and in this community so that we can go out and shake this place for the glory of God. Let me just mention a couple things that I'm done. When you choose forgiveness and you accept forgiveness, you will no longer be miserable. You will then, at that point, discover the full purpose you were created. And here's the kicker. Not only will you discover what you were meant to do, you'll be able to fulfill it. T.D. Jake says this, you cannot put the appropriate energy into your destiny when you are too busy lighting up your history. You cannot put the appropriate energy into your destiny when you are too busy lighting up your history. You've got to learn to let it go. Well, that person hasn't apologized. Let it go. Nobody has ever told me that they are sorry. Let it go. Let it go. I don't mean to disappoint you, but they're probably not going to. But don't give that situation and don't give that person and don't get the devil influence and power over your life because you choose to hold on to forgiveness. You choose to hold on to unforgiveness and you just won't let it go. Will you stand with me this morning? God, I thank you that you love us unconditionally. God, I thank you that every single time I've ever needed to come to you and ask for forgiveness, you've been so faithful to forgive me every single time. And God, if we're ever going to need to come to you and ask for forgiveness, in which we are, then we have got to learn to forgive others and let it go. We cannot receive from you the blessings that you have for us if we have bitterness in our lives and we have unforgiveness in our lives. Lord, I pray for every single person that has heard your word today. God, please don't let their response to you be, I'd rather be miserable. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move on our hearts. Speak directly to us right now. Help all of us to be obedient to your voice and to the leading of your Holy Spirit.